episode of Shades Midweek, a podcast in which we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. I'm Jonathan Haves, and I am joined in studio by the wonderful, beautiful, and talented John Mark Durow. You're so kind. Thank you. <laughs> Brad might be joining us a little later on. He's actually tied up with uh, our... Our our SVCC insurance guy, they're having to like walk around the facility and update our policy and all of that. So he's taking care of the real work. Right, exactly. (laughs) While we get to goof off for a minute. So, JM, I finished The Last Dance. As did I. Yes, I, I, I had been complaining for weeks now about not being able to watch it. And I finally, I broke down and I just paid for one month of a Sling TV subscription. There you go. So I could get in there and watch it. And it I, was worth it. It was. It was. We should do a whole bonus episode about it. Well, it's funny you say that because after we record this episode, uh, we are going to do a bonus episode just about The Last Dance. I can't wait. I'm so, so that's excited. a teaser for all the for all those <laughs> who are listening to this episode now. Get ready for that episode because it'll come out it's soon. It's coming. It'll be the first ever Shades Midweek podcast sports edition right right which will probably be a rare thing so jonathan why don't you uh tell us uh who's in the studio with us today yeah even though brad's not here we do actually have a guest with us today we are joined by none other than my good friend who is also the i got lots of beautiful talented friends um joe Corey is with us today say hello joe hey (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how how are you doing? How is your family doing in the midst of uh, quarantine and all that? Uh, we're hanging in there. Yeah? Yeah, no, we miss um, you know getting out and seeing people, like I'm sure everybody else, but we're doing well. Um, yeah, I can't complain about anything. You, have you picked up any... Any like a, like a side hustle? You started a side business. You've been sending me. You sent me a couple of pictures of some woodworking projects you've done. Yeah, you no, opening up shop. No side businesses, but we've got a lot of things done around the house this spring that um, normally wouldn't. We just wouldn't have time to do. I I would love to see how much like home improvement stores revenues have actually gone up during this period. My guess is quite a bit between <laughs> the home improvement store and the nursery. We have spent quite a bit of money. The plant spring. nursery. Yes. Yes. The yes. plant nursery. Uh, but our house is looking great. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. And and I'm losing weight, and I'm 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 tanner than I've ever been. No, so. no, that's that's a contradiction. Everybody is saying you're gonna we're supposed to be putting on weight. Yeah, you know? but you know, hauling mulch around. The yard and, work's doing it. Yeah, it's it's been really good. It's so. a great exercise plan. So, well, we've brought Joe in to do another episode of what we call Meet a Member. And Joe, Joe, how long have you been a member at Shades? Um, it'll be six years this six coming years. year. Awesome. Mm-hmm. We, we came in uh, August of 2014. Sweet. And Joe is not only a member here at Shades, but he serves on the elder board as one of our elders. Are you in your... Are you in your third? You're in your third year. Yeah, as an elder. Yep. It's just ridiculous how fast I've that been time praying. Passes. I've been praying pretty regularly about whether I should continue. <laughs> and there are some days where I'm like, yes, I'm continuing. And then there are days where I'm like, yeah, I think I need to take some time away. <laughs> just so everyone knows, our elders when they come on the board, they sign up basically for a three year stint, and they can 
serve two consecutive three-year stints before they have to roll off of the board. So that's that's what Joe's talking about. But no, about. I love it. I, I really love being an elder and getting to know the body in a much deeper way and really participating in that shepherding aspect of it. But um, yeah, it's it can be a lot sometimes. And it's not necessarily a lot um, in terms of time and, and just physically, but emotionally as you're right. praying through the various needs and, and um, you know, on Sundays when we used to be able to come together and you would look across the <laughs> Remember body when? and you could see, you would see the different people and family and, and just know what they were struggling with, like, and just mm. feeling that burden. Um, yeah. it can be hard sometimes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, we are thankful for you giving of your, your time and, uh, yourself and we're thankful for your family doing that as well for you to serve as an elder. But we, um, yeah, so in these episodes of Meet a Member, we just, uh, we love for the body as a whole. I mean, you obviously know a lot of people in the body, but there are people you don't know, and this will give them a chance. And those that do know you, it'll give them a chance to get to know you a little bit better. Maybe I will even learn something that I don't know about Joseph Corey. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Let's plumb the depths. Um so why don't you just start out by telling us uh, a little bit about how you grew up? Maybe start with where you grew up, because you don't sound like you're from around these parts. Yeah, I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, in the Midwest. Um, I had, uh, it's, when I think about my childhood, it's interesting. Um, I grew up in a family where my father was an alcoholic. Um, I had a younger brother, uh, and when he we got into our teen, he was only a year younger than me. But when we got into our teen years, he got into drugs and alcohol and became a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And so there was just a lot of turmoil, um, kind of growing up in that environment. One thing I will say is my parents saw the value in going to church, and so from a really young age, I, I remember being in the church. And many times, I think they thought of the church as um, their babysitter. If my mom is listening, right. I don't know if she'd agree with that, but that's my that's my perception of it. Sure. Um, and so there were many Sundays where you know they would they would part, they would come and participate off and on, but a lot of times they would also just drop us off, and they needed time to be with themselves and go grocery shopping and uh, things like that. Um, and so the church has always been part of my my upbringing, but you know it was for me it became a refuge um, to get away from a lot of that turmoil of growing up. So, you know, fortunately, my parents uh, stuck it out and stayed together. And my dad um, is, was a highly functioning alcoholic. And so he always kept a job, but he could, you know, he, he had a short fuse. And with three young kids running around the house and causing lots of trouble. Um, and this was the 1980s where parents did not know where we would, we'd be. We'd be outside running around. <laughs> you know, we would be on our bikes. You, you all didn't over have the a cell phone where they were tracking your location? No. And we, we would, all the neighbor kids would be outside playing and we would get in, we would just get in a lot of trouble. And, and so sometimes that fuse would get short with him and we would feel the brunt of that. But Mill- um, millennials and, and Gen Zers, if you don't know the style of childhood we're talking about right now, go, go watch the Goonies. And the Goonies or Stranger Things. <laughs> yeah, this idea. You'll understand that, the freedom that children once experienced <laughs> to just wander around at will. Yeah, my rule growing up was when the streetlights came on, we needed to come home. Yeah, man, streetlights. I that, remember that. You know. Dude, I grew up uh, in the woods, basically. Like, that's what my friends and I did. We just, my parents never knew where we were in the woods. We we're just out there on four wheelers, no less. Yeah. So I grew up in a city, and but it was in, you know, an urban environment, right, lots right, of right. houses and school, like big, a big school was close to us and a big shopping center. And we, we were all over everything. Right. 
all the time and just causing lots of trouble. And so it was, yeah, in many ways it was a fun childhood, but at the same time it was, my house wasn't necessarily stable. And so um, we would go to church on Sunday and smile. And then during the rest of the week would be really difficult. And then we go back the next week and smile like everything was great. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of the pattern um, of, of growing up in my, in my household. Yeah, so uh, you talked about growing up in the church, Joe. Um, what was it that kind of ultimately led to finding your faith? Yeah, that's a great question. So as I said, I, did, I grew up in the church. I always went to, the ch- went to church. We did vacation Bible school and all of that. I remember what, what what kind of church was it? A Baptist church? Yeah, so it was a Baptist church. It was not Southern Baptist though. It sure, was, um, right. It was a Baptist General Conference, and it, it was a great church. Uh, really great and loving people. When I was in fifth grade, you know, I, I I committed myself to the Lord, and you know, asked Jesus into my heart, and I was baptized when I was in sixth grade. But for me, there was a real disconnect um, for quite a while. Again, and I think a lot of that is just because of my upbringing, where. I would do these good things on Sunday, but then the rest of the week I would be out causing trouble and you know doing all sorts of other things. Um, and so I, I would say it wasn't really until I got into college when my faith really became real for me. Mm. Um, I got heavily involved with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it, again, it was all, I think, just God's providential care for me. Um, what, I, what college? I went to Central College in a small, it's in Pella, Iowa, which is a small town about an hour away from Des Moines where I grew up. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's yeah, it's just a, it was a really great place for me, specifically because um, in my freshman dorm, the four rooms around me were really strong Christian guys. And my RA was a really strong Christian guy. And I was at the point where I had kind of come out of an inner city school. And I think if I had ended up next to frat guys, I would have gone down that road. Um, and, and I was really malleable but, uh, in, in terms of, who, you know, who was around me. And again, you know, I, I would say I believed in God, but I, I wasn't bearing any fruit. Um, it wasn't part of just my daily practice. Um, and so being in that environment and being really challenged by these guys who said like, Hey, you say one thing, Joe, but your actions do something else. Um, you know, and then, and then they would really challenge me on some of just my basic understanding of what it meant to be a Christian, um, and really challenged me to live that out. And, and so I would say it wasn't until really my sophomore year in college where all of that kind of clicked. And I realized that, you know, in my head, I had an understanding of who God was and who Christ was and what he did. And I had had built this resume throughout high school of mission trips and doing these good things, you know, for the church. But I wasn't bearing any fruit. I wasn't showing love to my neighbor. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a very nice person. Um, And it wasn't until I got into my sophomore year of college where it finally, I think, resonated in my heart. And that's where this kind of transformation in my life took place. I think I, th- I think that's a powerful word to you know our our college students here at Shades. I mean, there's a fair amount of college students that come here, and just that the way they live, what they do around their roommates and such, really does have an impact. Even oh, it was huge, it. and I still, I mean, those guys, um, I still stay in contact with a few of them, and they the impact they had on my life just by a being authentic in their walk with God. Um, and, and but, you know, in no way were they judgmental or did they come off as perfect. They they struggled, I think, just like most 
um, you know, teenagers, late teenagers, early kind of adults at that age do with a variety of different things. But they, you know, they, they really, they challenged me to, to really get into the word, um, to, to seek scripture and to really come to a much better understanding of what, of what that meant for how that played out in my daily life. And it was, it was huge. It had a huge impact on me. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about, uh, how you met Sarah, because that, that was not at college because Sarah wouldn't have been with you at college, would she? She's yeah. Sarah's she's a little older. A than little I am. older than you are. I won't say. <laughs> I won't say on the microphone how how much older. Um, yeah. So it's, unfa- it's unfair. I, I know a few. Not things. that much older though. But we we would have we would have passed at if we had gone to the same school. We would have been there at the same time, except she would have been going out as I was coming in. Right now she's originally from the Midwest too. Yeah, she's from a small town in Northeast Iowa. Um, and we met, it, this is, I mean, again, it's a really cool story. So I was, it was, we met in the, during the, or in the summer after my sophomore year of college. And so I had just in the spring come off a pretty, I don't want to say bad relationship. It was, it wasn't bad, but it was, it wasn't God fulfilling either. Um, and so I had broken up with, um, my girlfriend and, had kind of that that was really the prompt that made me start to really focus and, and really put all of these things together like I was talking about um and so I was coming off of that and all of a sudden just like started seeing things in this this new way and so during the summer um in college what I did is I worked at a church camp um I worked as a camp counselor at the camp that I grew up going to um and, and it was and again it's a small camp in Iowa and it, so college students that's my advice is the best job you can get during the summers is to be a camp counselor at a church camp, but classic, classic college kid job. (laughs) Classic. Yeah. So, um, so Sarah, who's a little bit older than me, um, had, had gone, (laughs) what are you doing? Sorry, I'm taking a picture for Instagram. So everyone will know that, that you're in the studio and now everyone's going to know exactly when I took that picture. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so Sarah is a little bit older than me and she had, her path was she had started school and didn't really know what she wanted to do. And, and so she, she left school after, um, after half a year and then she got a job as a nanny outside of Nashville, Tennessee. And so she moved away from her family, um, went to this new place in this new part of the country, um, and, and really began to make a life for herself. And so she was down there for three, three and a half years, with this wonderful family, um, really grew a lot and just matured, um, both as a person and in her faith, had some really great friends in the Nashville area, but just felt, um, like the Lord was leading her back home. Um, and so she had moved and come home and, um, and needed a a summer job. And so she got a job at this camp. And so we met, um, as camp counselors at this camp. And I remember really clearly, um, she just seemed so different and she was older and she was more mature and she had lived on her own and had this life experience that as this like 20 year old college student who'd only ever lived in a dorm and eaten in a school cafeteria, (laughs) it just, it seems so different to me. Um, and I was just, she was so, um, grounded in her faith. And I just, I was really looking for, I think someone, uh, in terms of a relationship who could also help me kind of ground me, but also really push me, uh, in my faith. And so, so I was really attracted, um, to that. Joe was smitten. I was, I was, 
within a couple of weeks, I mean, I was I was head over heels in love and was like, I am <laughs> marrying this woman. Now that if you ask Sarah, she'll laugh and roll her eyes because she did not like me at first. She thought that I was, she thought that I was obnoxious, that I was a jerk. Um, Why does it she, always seem like the stories go this way? Like the guys are head over always, heels and, and the ladies are like it, whatever. Yeah, it took her some time um, to warm up to me, I think, and I but I eventually, you know, I eventually charmed her and. <laughs> Um, I, part of it was, I just didn't, I just didn't leave her alone. Right. Right. Persistence. <laughs> I was very persistent. Um, and she was, she was great because she, you know, she would tell me to stop being stupid and, you know, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> and she still does that to this day. Yeah. Um, so, so that's how we met. And, um, so we, we, we dated, well, we dated for a year and then we were engaged for a year before we got married. And that whole time. I was finishing college in a different town from where she lived, so we lived two hours away. So it was a long distance relationship, and that was, you know, that again, that was back in the late '90s, and so we had to call each other on the phone. Were like, you handwriting letters? We no, we did not handwrite letters. You probably um, were emailing though. We did email. We we spoke every night. Like I would call her on my my real phone, you know, in my dorm room. Did you have to pay long distance and yes, charges? Yes, and rack up lots of long distance bills. I think my parents got a bill when I graduated, and they were like, what is this? Everyone, you know? like, 25 and under doesn't even know what we're talking about. No, they don't. Long distance. But, um, and then we would get, to, we would see each other, like, we try to make it where we could see each other every other weekend. In the winter, you know, if there was a storm or the weather wasn't great, it might be, like, three or four weeks. But, sure. And that was really good in, in some ways because I was able to continue kind of being with my friends and focusing on maturing in my faith and focusing on my schoolwork without, um, I don't want to say distraction cause it sounds bad, but you know how it is when couples like all of a sudden they get together. Sure. Sure. You're just like, and, you don't think about anything else. Right. And so, and then oh, I tell everybody when Holly and I got married, so Holly and I dated through part of, uh, college. Well, I, we got married when I was right in the middle of college. My grades went up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mine did too, right? Because I was, I, I would focus and work really hard, right? So right. on the weekend, I could be with Sarah, um, and and see her, and so that's our relationship developed that way, and so we got married about a month after I finished um, undergrad, and um, I moved up, you know, to the town that she was living in, where she was going to school because she still had a year left because she had gone back to college at that point, and. Um, she thought that was weird because all of a sudden I was around all the time. <laughs> and so our first year was kind of like, oh, we get to see each other every day. And then it was also like, ooh, we get to see each other every day because <laughs> um, she wasn't used to she wasn't used to me being around. Right, so. right. Took away her freedom. Um, so y'all have been married for how long? Uh, or should I not ask? No, we got married. <laughs> we got, Just put you on the spot to get it right. It's nine. It'll be nineteen years next month. Gotcha. So yeah, we got married in June of two thousand and one. Yeah. So you're already making big plans for next year. That big number two zero, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And y'all have how many children? We have four. Four children. Was that always the plan, Joe? Uh, no, no, it was not always the plan. In fact, at first, Sarah had struggled a little bit with a little bit in, of uh, infertility. And so at one point, I mean, I think we were, we had been married for four or five years and I was finishing graduate school. And so we already were on the kind of the, the slower to have kids um, um, train. And then she started struggling a little bit with that infertility. And fortunately um, we had a great doctor and she was able to kind of, we were able to kind of figure out it was a little bit of a hormone imbalance. I'm telling the whole world, her her medical background sorry honey um, 
and <laughs> anyway, and and so we we were really excited to have one, and then we had Margot came, you know, like two years later, and so at that point, Sarah and I, um, we were like done. We you know we we still lived in an apartment. Um, we still had a small car, and we were like, you know what, this is we're good. Two's good. We can we can keep them, and we can stay in a two bedroom apartment. We don't need to get a bigger car. You know this this can work out. And her and I remember we had a conversation where we talked about that. And then like a week later, she was like, yeah, I'm pregnant. And not oh, only was yeah. she pregnant, she was eight weeks pregnant. Oh wow. So so that convert yeah. So anyway, so then we had our son Jack, um, and at that point we were like, we might as well try to even the teams. So, <laughs> which, which you did not even no we did not so then our fi- our our baby our um, youngest daughter is you know a girl and um but you know we're really we're really happy with four it's a it feels good yeah it feels good we're done we're definitely done <laughs> yeah no, that's awesome yeah okay so uh tell us about how you found shades kind of Fast forward to that point because I know there's probably a lot of you yeah. guys. You guys moved around some, and yeah, there's a little bit of a story there. I was teaching at a university outside of Chicago, and um, just really felt like it was time to move on somewhere else. And this was in 2013, and um, I had known a few people who had been affiliated with Sanford and knew of its reputation. And um, and lo and behold, they had an opening in their art department, um, which is I teach art. Uh, and so I was, you know, I was really excited about it, but the academic job, job market is really competitive and it's, it's so random sometimes. And so I just, you know, I did my application materials and kind of sent them in already having a job and being happy where I was at, but just, you know, wanting to see if I could take another kind of step forward in my career. Um, and so we went through that whole process, which I think I, I found out about the job in September of 2013 a plot sent my application in in October had my first interview in January of 2014 which was um it was the same week as the snowpocalypse down here <laughs> oh yeah were you down here for that no i wasn't it was a phone interview but i was interviewing the people at Sanford who had been trapped at Sanford <laughs> so i was interviewing in the midst of this well and being from you know did you li- just living, think living, that was hilarious i was about to say living <laughs> living outside of chicago you you knew nothing about snow well i did i thought it was kind of strange and then when i moved down here and realized like there's no infrastructure to handle right, this right. Right. it made sense and right in fact when it I'm, I'm like, there's, if there's any threat of sleet or ice or anything, I'm like, Oh, cancel all of my appointments. I'm <laughs> right, staying home today. Right. Um, Cause I don't want to be I'm out not there. risking it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I've completely acclimated to that. Um, yeah. And so we walked through that process and eventually I got an offer um, to come down to Sanford. And so one, it's just a really cool story. Again, I think how God has um, just had his hand on our life and our, my family. Um, one of the first things we started praying for. So I, I got the offer in April knew it and knew that I was going to have, we were going to have to move in, in August. And so there was a little bit of a, a time period for this transition. So right away in April, we started praying that we could find, um, a good church home because we don't, we don't have any friends or family down here when we came. It was just us. Right. Um, and, and, and it was that way in Chicago too. And so the people that we met through church really became not only our community, but our, in many ways, our extended family. Um, and so we were really praying that God would provide something. We also had, um, we also had some kind of stereotypical ideas of what we thought Southern churches were like. <laughs> and so we really wanted to try to avoid, you know, the, 
the screaming preacher on Sunday and um, this idea of my little girls having to wear um, ruffled socks and dresses, <laughs> you know, and that's like, that was this kind of was smocking. Yeah. And so we were just praying that God would really, you know, bring us to a church where the arts were supported and um, we could really feel like we could be ourselves and be authentic. And it wasn't going to be that kind of plasticky Christiany that you often see portrayed on TV, you know, Southern sure. churches. Um, and so, yeah, we prayed about that and we got on, we just Googled, we Googled, we, we were, we were members of an evangelical free church in Chicago. And so we thought, well, we might as well start there. And so we Googled evangelical free churches, Birmingham. And this was the only one that about popped say, up. There's only not one. many options. <laughs> nope. Um, and so we, we started, you know, we looked at other churches too, in terms of, we had made, created a list of churches. And so I think Sarah, when I moved, ended up moving down in August, we were still looking for housing. And so she stayed. Uh, in Minneapolis with her parents um, for another eight weeks before her and our kids moved down too. And so I came down in August and my, my first charge was to find a place to live, to find a house. And my second charge was to kind of start looking for churches. And I remember that first Sunday um, shades was at the top of our list because it was evangelical free. And we were familiar with that denomination. And we had, you know, we had done our research. We had listened to some of Jonathan's sermons and, um, we had kind of looked at some, you know, online at the website. And I remember um, I wore shorts and a shirt, and I was really nervous because I didn't know what to expect. <laughs> and so I came in, you know, and as I was driving here, I kept seeing these people in the cars around me with, like, suits and ruffled dresses. And I thought, oh, <laughs> crap, I'm in trouble. <laughs> this Yankee is going to show up in shorts, and they're going to they're gonna look at me and not even know what to do with me. And I walked in, and I saw Ed, and he was wearing, like, a Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> shorts, and, and flip-flops, and it was like, all right, this is cool, okay? Um, and and that it was the Sunday, I don't know if you remember, um, in worship there was a banjo. I remember AJ played, and there was a banjo on stage, and I thought, wow, this is really cool. And then it was the Sunday where they had – the we were we had the lunches to raise money for the roof. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. we did the, raise the, the roof. Yeah, we raised the roof and we did the pig roast, and yeah. th that was my first Sunday, and it was a really great coincidence because normally I you know if I I don't like being places where I don't really know people, I get a little uncomfortable, and I tend to just my personality I you know I'd stay long enough and then kind of jet. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to stay <laughs> and have that free barbecue. <laughs> and um. And I remember I met I met the Armisteads, I met um, the Red Pass, I met all these other people, and just was like, wow, this place is amazing. And I and so I didn't end up leaving till like three o'clock. And Sarah kept calling oh, that's me, that's awesome, because she wanted to know how church went. Right, and, right. And so she kept calling, and so I finally get out to the car, and there's like twelve, you know, missed calls or whatever. And I called her, and she's like, "What have you been doing?" And I was like, "I just left church." And she was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "This place is amazing," <laughs> you know. Um, so then I, yeah, so I, it was just, I feel like God really brought me here and it felt like home. And so the next week or two weeks later was a root seminar. So I did that. And I, I still remember when I met, I don't know if it was your first Sunday or I think you'd been here a couple of times, but the first time I met you, I just remember you basically telling me that you were down here without your family. Yeah. And you had bought a house and chosen a church. <laughs> yeah. So I did the Roots Seminar and, <laughs> like filled, and filled out the paperwork. <laughs> and I remember this moment then, you know, um, I, it was late September. I, uh, Sarah and the kids finally were moving down and they were flying into Birmingham. And I went to the airport to pick them up. And I had this anxiety attack because I thought, oh, what if she doesn't like the church? <laughs> 
And I was like, well, too bad. She'll have to find her own church. <laughs> so, I, I remember telling Holly uh, at one point, I'm like, listen, you're going to meet Joe's wife, Sarah, and you've got to, you've, you have to be her friend. We have to make her like us because Joe wants to stay. <laughs> and, and we had already started becoming friends at that point, too. Yeah, well, and again, I think the thing that really drew us here and to stay here was just it was on the authenticity the authenticity of the people was unlike any church we had gone to before where it was you know i'm a real person i have struggles and questions and doubts but that's okay because so do you and we can talk about that and we can sharpen each other and we can grow together and we can you know we can celebrate life's you know great events together and we can mourn together when that's you know when it's time to do that as well and it was just a really you know powerful experience for us um we hadn't had a community like that in quite a while and so um and over the last six years shades really has in many ways become our extended family down here and so we're just really thankful for y'all that's awesome we're thankful for y'all yeah we love y'all well we're gonna take a pause from all of our serious questions for a moment, we have a few more of those for you. But we're going to do something that uh, we do with all of our guests that we bring on. This is an original idea that we stole from other podcasts uh, called Lightning Round or Speed Round or whatever we call it. I don't know what we call it. Lightning Round? I don't know. Awesome. I'm ready. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some questions, and you just try to rapid-fire answers as quickly as you can. If you need to take some time, that's fine. And they're all, they're all random. So here we go. How do you like your eggs? Scrambled. Okay. Best Chicago pizza? Uh, Lou Malnati's. Yes. All right. Favorite superhero? Captain America. Really? Yeah. Captain America. I would not have seen that coming. Those movies are really good. But I grew up, I mean, I grew up reading all of those Marvel comics, and he was always, I really liked him. Yeah. Patriotic choice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, right. maybe it's like because I was the wimpy kid, you know, who became the I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you identify I with identify the story with the story. <laughs> All right. Twitter, Facebook or Instagram? Uh Instagram. It's the only one I have. Okay. If a movie was made of your life, what genre would it be and who would play you? Um, okay, that's a great question. My favorite movie is It's a Wonderful Life. So I think oh, yeah. that classic movie genre um, and George Clooney would play me. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually perfect. Like a black and white yeah. with, with Clooney. Yeah. That, would, that would do really well. I can see it. <laughs> I can see it. Awesome. All right. Fill in the blank. Elon Musk is... We, we allow everyone one pass if you'd like to pass. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to go. I'm going to I'm going to say he's brilliant. Yeah, I think he's I, I, I think enjoy he's, him a lot. I too. think I mean, yeah, I don't know if we'd be friends, but I think he is the Thomas Edison of our time. There you yeah, go. He's awesome. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? Yes, but not like Noah Stolkup. <laughs> I love you, Noah. Oh, my gosh. All right. Is it grammatically proper to capitalize the names of seasons? Yes. But I know that that's wrong, but I do it all the time. 
I don't know. I, the go- I, go- I had to Google this because I didn't know either. No, it's wrong, but I still do. <laughs> it is wrong. Seasons do not require capitalization because they are generic common nouns. Some people may confuse these words as being proper nouns and try to capitalize them. Yeah. Is it permissible, though? I do that all the time. As I mean, a professor, I, guess- I write spring and fall more than you would realize. Right, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't care. It's st- I still capitalize it. Right. I mean, you would think like you would if you capitalize all the months and everything and all the days of the week. Why don't I just go ahead and go with the seasons? I think there's all sorts of words I capitalize that aren't (laughs) supposed to be. (laughs) But I'm an art professor, not an English professor. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. You're in the circus. Would you rather be the person with their head inside the lion's mouth or get shot out of the cannon? Shot out of the cannon. <laughs> as long as you don't put me on the high. I was about to say. I was okay. like. I was like. Really? With what I know about you and heights, you would go out of that cannon. <laughs> You're afraid of heights. Oh uh, yeah, that... yeah, very much. Did you ever see that documentary, Man on Wire? Yes. Where? Oh man. I sweated to the. Did whole you? Thing. Yeah. Or the. That's oh, tough... what's the one? I want to watch it. It's on <laughs> Disney Plus right now. It's the 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 free uh, free climber. What's yeah, it called? Free solo. solo. Free solo. That one's Did great you watch too. That one? Yes. It's That's a, a great documentary. Were you tense through that whole thing yes. too? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's fascinating, but I, I mean, I get up on the second flight of stairs looking over and I'm get weepy. So. <laughs> All right. Last question. Why can't we tickle ourselves? <laughs> Why? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can tickle myself. <laughs> oh man! Okay, I have one one question uh, before before we close this out. Favorite Southern phrase you have learned? Oh yeah. Since um, moving here. Sweet tea. Sweet tea. Wait, wait. Favorite Southern phrase. Yeah, we don't say sweet tea up north. We just say they say iced tea, I want right? Some iced tea. Oh, uh, no, I know what you're talking about. Oh. Um, the one that, or maybe I should have said saying. Saying, yeah. Um, yeah. Like when you were, knee, I think, like when you were knee high to a grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the term Mike coulda Mike coulda so strange to us. Which, <laughs> Mike coulda what? Mike coulda. Was there any um, southern food that like? Moving from the Midwest to here, is there like a Southern food that you had never tried before that when you came down, you're like, what is this? Like collard greens or like Um, grits, grits. maybe grits is kind of a big thing. Yeah. The one that I really, really enjoy is um, fried okra. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had never ha- experienced that. Oh, Look, yeah, leave, leave it to us to make vegetables unhealthy. Okay? Anything fried. <laughs> we, we can fry anything. <laughs> I, l- I love me some fried oak. Oh, no. I do, too. It's good. I do, too. All right. Well, that was fun. But we have just uh, a few more questions for you, specifically uh, about your vocation. You mentioned a couple of times in our conversation already that you are a, an art professor. Um, so tell us uh, a little bit, I guess, first, just about what took you in the direction of the arts. Like, was that something you loved as a kid? Um, and what made you decide to, to go that way? Yeah, I, I did. Um, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a major league baseball player and I was a decent, How, how'd that pan out? Yeah, I was a decent <laughs> ball player, but I can't hit a curveball. And when I got into like varsity in high school 
and my average plummeted to down into the 200s, I realized I probably wasn't going to go pro. Um, and, but growing up, I was always drawing and I was the kid who always wanted art supplies. Um, when I was in first grade, I won a coloring contest and it was a big deal because, um, the prize was I got to ride on the, an elephant in the circus parade. <laughs> Speaking, you're, you're speaking circus, of the circus, I was know, say, right? your circus question wasn't far away. You know, and as a oh. seven-year-old boy, that was like living the dream. Yeah. Um, and I still, re- kid in I still remember that. Yeah, um, and so it was something that I'd always done and really, you know, enjoyed. And so as I got into high school, I always, you know, I always took art classes. And for me, I guess there was never really anything else I wanted to do. Now I was really naive. I didn't know what artists did. I didn't know what that meant. Um, and fortunately my parents, I was, I'm a, I'm a first generation college, um, kid. And so my parents, I think were just happy to see me go to college. And so, and a lot of my friends and actually didn't go to college. Um, and so I went and was like, I'm going to be an art major. And they were like, great, you can do whatever you want as long as you pay for it. <laughs> and so I'm still paying for it. But, well, um, yeah, so I went to school to be an art major and had to kind of figure it out at that point. Well, speaking of what artists do, Joe, what what do artists do? Do no, no, but no, tell us a little bit uh, about uh, your work because I know, I mean, yes, you're a professor, uh, and we can make certain assumptions about what that looks like to teach art. But I know you also are an artist in your own right. I've been to one of your exhibitions before, so just tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah, so I I feel called to be an artist, um, and again, for me, I think it comes back to this idea of calling, and so and part of that is being obedient to my calling. And so there's an obedience thing mixed up in that. And I don't always understand why, um, but I feel like God is calling me to do it. And so in order to be obedient to him, I need to do it. Um, And so that, I mean, really that's kind of, I think when I think about it now, the thrust of the trajectory of how I've become this, um, this artist and this professor, it, there are other things I could do that would make a lot more money or give me a lot more kind of success, I think. Um, but I'm not interested in those things because it, it's not what I really feel called to do. And so for, for me, my vocation is something, again, that's very much connected to my calling. And so I'm really blessed in the sense that I, I have the ability to do something that not only do I love, but I feel like is part of my calling. And so one of the things I always try to tell my college students is to think about that um, you know, a, a, we all have to have jobs. We all need to work to some extent. But if you can really find that thing that you feel like fits that calling, then I think that's just that's even even more bonus. Um, in terms of my own artwork, I, yeah, I'm interested in. I I see art as a way to kind of express or communicate the things that I'm thinking about. Um, poets, you know, use poetry and words to communicate. Musicians use music. Artists use visual imagery. Um, and so I'm using these kind of visual things that I'm creating and putting them out there into the world, uh, to communicate that, uh, to communicate the things that I'm interested in. And so I'm interested in kind of this, I think this is kind of contemporary experience of, um, being in a world that is in some way isolating, both in terms of how we've kind of just as a culture spread ourselves out, uh, in places like suburbia, but also uh, socially and on social media. And so we have these relationships, but it's not the same as that kind of um, communal community type relationship you would have had a hundred years ago when, when communities were, you know, you had 
one kind of local grocery shop or store in the middle of a you know six or seven block radius and everybody kind of knew each other um you know i've lived in my neighborhood for almost six years now and one of the things that this the covid uh situation has one of the positives is i've gotten to meet my neighbors for the first time because people walk a lot more yeah and so we're and i'm outside doing yard work and all of a sudden i'm interacting with my neighbors and you know saying hi and getting to know them where before we all kind of stayed in our homes and we're online or kind of in in our work and are driving you know driving somewhere else to do our work and so you know i'm interested in kind of some of those those things as well in terms of just as a sociological you know what what does this mean to be human in the in the culture in which we live right now and so my work kind of points to some of that gotcha what's uh what's your favorite medium to to work in yeah so i'm a painter um i tend to see things two-dimensionally i have a really hard time doing any kind of sculpture and so I have, um, I have a lot of respect for my friends who are sculptors. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I enjoy, the reason I really enjoy paint is because at the heart of it, it's this kind of goopy, you know, organic material. It's made out of minerals and oils that are mixed together that you then, you know, you smear around this flat canvas, this flat surface, and all of a sudden this image appears. And so it's magic for me. It's like a form of magic. Yeah. Um, in, in the good Christian sense, not in like the <laughs> you know, wizardry, not in, the, not in like the Harry Potter, you know, Harry Potter wizardry. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there's this kind of magical element that I really, and there's this kind of mysterious element about it too. And so I still get excited when, you know, I'm, so I'm going to paint a tree and then I mix this goop and I, I put these shapes of different color next to each other. And then I step back and boom, there's a tree or mm. the, the image of a tree. Right. Um, and so that still really excites me and, and grabs my attention. So I love painting, um, primarily oil and some acrylic. Um, I do not like watercolor. Watercolor and I are not friends <laughs> at all. Um, I've even, uh, I remember the one of the exhibitions of, of your work I went to had a lot of mixed media. Like mm-hmm. there, it was painting, but you'd included other elements, which that's, uh, I'm not as familiar with with mixed media kind of art. Yeah, so bringing these different materials together. I've also been doing a lot of um, digital artwork lately, um, and part of that is be more recently because I haven't, I haven't been allowed on campus to be at my studio, and part of that is um, over the last year and a half, I had injured, injured my arm, and so just physically painting over a long period of time was painful, and so um, I did a lot of digital collage on the computer, and I like bringing these different elements together that... Um, at first, when you see them individually, you, they wouldn't fit, but then you bring them together and you manipulate things like color and contrast and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden you've created this kind of harmonious, unified whole. And again, for me, there's a magical element to that of bringing, you know, bringing these different diverse things, forcing them into the same space, and then all of a sudden making them work together to create something else. It's awesome. Beautiful. Um, what is one thing you wish the church better understood about the arts yeah that's a great question and i feel like um in many ways over the last decade because our culture with things like instagram has become so much more visually attuned the Mm -hmm. church has been really scrambling to try to figure out how to minister to artists and how to bring artists into the church Mm -hmm. because they i think they finally they that 
is like a generic broad sense. I'm right. thinking anything specifically, but I think they, the church, finally has recognized that this visual component is important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, again, I think art and, and art in church context can be can really, I think, add to the worship. One of the things that, again, really attracted me to Shades is the fact that we celebrate artists. We have art, original art from our members throughout our our, our building. Um, we have people up painting often on Sundays, although every time Jonathan asks me, I say no. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't stop asking, and I keep saying no. Um, you'll never... You, ha- you have done some, but not... Uh in person, like live in the right. worship service, work, yeah, but you I have, have some done some work uh, for the, for us. The before. Advent, the Black Advent, um, it's they're on black paper. That's supposed to be black. The Black Advent, black and gold Advent yeah. drawings in the back are mine. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I feel like like it, you know, worship it, at the heart of it is it's a very sensual thing, right? Um, in our church and most evangel- evangelical churches. We, we, we experience that through our ears, right? So our sense of hearing with music and with the spoken, you know, the word, so preaching. Um, our Catholic and Orthodox friends and high church friends still use incense. And so you right. have the smoke, you have the, the scent, the fragrance, um, which, you know, for a lot of them symbolizes this rising of prayer or this kind of connection between heaven and earth. Um, you know, we, t- we partake in communion and we, we taste the bread, we taste the wine or the juice, um, and so there are these kind of sensual components that help c- connect us and to kind of, you know, engage and connect with, with, with the Lord. And so I think fine art um, can very much be part of that in terms of, and historically, you know, if you look at church history, this was used um, images of the Bi- from the Bible, you know, you think of stained glass, things like that, um, even the way that the spaces are, are designed and the architecture of the spaces are all meant to kind of heighten that, again, those sensual experiences in terms of worship. And so I think that that's something that, um, that the evangelical church over the last 10 years has really finally started to figure out and is, is beginning to embrace in a really good and positive way. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know, you go back to the Protestant Reformation and kind of the jettison of the arts from Protestantism. Really, was mostly a reaction mm-hmm. to Catholicism. And you know, I, I think you know, I make the joke quite often that Protestants are afraid that if you paint something, somebody's going to pray to it. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but that, that was kind of the concept of right. like what was going on with the arts in the church. And so you know, uh, we Protestant worship for the most part, especially the uh, the lower church or free church traditions really stripped things down. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, and that was one of the things that attracted me to Shades uh, as well as kind of this re-embrace of the arts. And you're starting to see that, like, like, like you're saying, I think more and more across the board. Yeah, and I think just in general, um, our church is somewhat unique in my experiences, both in the evangelical free church but other Protestant churches in terms of just the different kind of disciplines and the way that we approach worship and the worship space and the fact that we follow the liturgical calendar mm-hmm. um, and we you know we we do communion every week and so there are these different things that um, that again I think help to support the preaching and the teaching on Sundays in a way that's really positive that a lot of Protestant churches don't don't do and and um and i think we do that in a really healthy and balanced way yeah well uh we'll probably have some 
episodes in the future where we talk uh, in more detail about how Shades came to be that way. We, we, we refer to it as the four streams, and we'll explain that mm-hmm. more in the future. But it's it's these various streams of Christian tradition that are all flowing in together. And so there are various elements of our worship that get drawn from different things that kind of create that unique uh, unique flavor. And there, I do think it's starting to spread more and more uh, in Protestantism because there's even over the past couple of years, we've seen a couple of books come out right. uh, that are embracing that idea of, hey, there's stuff from charismatic backgrounds and liturgical backgrounds and that, you know, and then that, that can be brought together to uh, add to uh, the Christ centeredness mm-hmm. of our worship right. and help us to focus and engage all the senses, right? Yep. Uh, in, in worship. Well, Joe, we, uh, we thank you a lot, man, for what you do at Shades, uh, both as an elder and as an artist, and just uh, we love having your family here. We're really thankful that the Lord brought you to, to Sanford and to the South. Yeah. Uh, introduced you to grits and sweet tea and <laughs> fried okra. But uh, and college football. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> my my favorite southern phrase is roll tide. Oh my word. <laughs> that is my least favorite southern <laughs> phrase. <laughs> oh I just I just angered half the congregation. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ours is pretty well evenly divided. Yeah, I'd say so. But but thank you for, for coming in and for joining us. You're Sorry. welcome. It's been a it's been a real, a real treat. I've really enjoyed it. Awesome. Well, this has been another episode of Shades Midweek. Uh, we'll see you next time.